Mountain Wellness, optimizing human performance to extend longevity for mountain athletes. What up, mountain athletes and outdoor adventurers? Welcome to another episode of the Mountain Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Reed, and I'm joined, as always, with my mountain brother, Mr. Mike Mahina. What's going on, mountain brother? Oh, man. California was finally in Montana last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. California to Montana. We tried to record when you were at the den, but we uh, things got away from us. We, we had a lot. We had a big agenda, a lot to do, um, which we're going to dig into today. But it was epic, bro. Uh, it was just amazing to have you out here. And um, weather threw a little curveball at us, but it was nice. Uh, nice change uh, but you came in hot you got to just lay it down let the listeners know <laughs> what happened just at the flight in because it started off exciting well you and i both resonate on wild weather like we both we like weather that's just extreme sometimes we we, we appreciate that i think more than other folks do so i happen to look at my weather because you know it's funny i never I never travel without a jacket. It's just one of those things. But it's been hot here <laughs> forever, and it's been hot in Montana. You're like, yeah, it's been hot all week. So I, I take, yep. I take just shorts and a t-shirts <laughs> with me, and a, and I no jacket. I just, ah. <laughs> I looked at jackets, and then I just forgot all about them. So of course, <clears throat> I look at the weather uh, in the like the connecting flight or just before we're going, and it says severe risk of thunderstorms, and I thought. Or, yeah, the way they worded it was severe. And I thought, you know, I don't hear that. It's usually chance of rain here in California. So severe was like another step up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, dang. And sure enough, um, as you know, because you guys were driving an hour and a half to pick me up, which was amazing to have you guys, uh, first of all, for you guys to do that. But then second, just to just to be with you guys um, right, off the, right from the start from the airport. That meant a lot to me. But as I unexpectedly found out, as we were as we were descending into the clouds, and we could see Bozeman, like we were, I, I shouldn't say we could see it because we we knew where it was right below us as we were coming through the clouds. Yeah. All of a sudden, uh, the pilot comes on the air, and I had just texted you saying, "Hey, man, I'll see you in about fifteen <laughs> minutes. I'll be there, and we're out of here. It's going to be great." Uh, and so that was the last communication. And then all of a sudden, the captain comes on and he starts ascending with the plane. He goes, "Yeah, we're not going to be able to land now because the winds are too high, and it's the storm is just too much right now. So we're going to Boise, Idaho." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, where is Boise, Idaho? Like, I don't even have a map. I had no. I'm like, I know that's another state, but I just don't know where we're. You know, where this is all going to end up." So he takes off and we fly all the way to Boise and it's like 200 and something miles away, he lands and he's like, I don't know when we can go back right now. There's a couple of options. And I'm like, I'm going to Montana. Like there's no, there's. Right. Yeah. And, and Mike and I are, so we're in the parking lot at the Bozeman airport and uh, I'm just like, you know, I'm all stoked to be not road tripping, little road trip with, with Mike Elliott. So we're talking it up and I'm not really paying attention to the you know what's going on outside and and he's like dude there's like no one in the parking lot <laughs> in the parking lot and at the airport like, really he's like yeah at the airport okay. and he's like dude the trees are like bending in half right now like the wind <laughs> is just whipping that's what it felt like on the turbulence so, yep yeah so right with that like describing what's going on outside is when i got the the first message of like yeah dude they're like we're going to bozeman or we're going to um or boise idaho and so we just decided to um we're like oh well, let's go grab a bite to eat we found a, a really good barbecue place that was one good thing that came out of your little detour to to boise so carry on what they what they tell you in boise yeah, so we're on the ground and everybody's like kind of standing up on the plane and trying to figure out what's going on. Like, what, what are we doing? And they're basically saying, we're not letting you off the plane. We're just going to sit here and, and wait for the weather to improve. I'm like, okay. But there's some random lady behind me and she's like, well, I have to get to Bozeman. I got temp work tomorrow. I'm like, well, I'm, I got to get to Helena because I'm working too. So let's, let's rent a car and just drive four hours all the way to, to, uh, our destinations you dropped me off in hell so we're making plans i'm like i'm going to montana that was my whole mindset like they'll let us off the plane and we'll just we'll just rent a car <laughs> like mike said you'll rent a u-haul and just like because there's no cars available i'm like whatever we got to do man 
So, anyways, they filled, they fueled up, and he was. You could tell the captain was relieved because he's like, "Yeah, they gave us some extra fuel." I'm like, "Oh, were we low on fuel on our way to Boise?" But I was like, "This is exciting." So I start texting everybody how much I love them, and you know, just in case we don't land right, because they're like, "We're going back. We're going to go back one hour later." And I'm thinking, "Can the weather change that much in one hour? Like, could it? Could it go from?" Yeah, I was actually gonna mention that. That it, I mean, you. I've learned that living here, it's. We can get a, a severe thunderstorm uh, warning, and a, and a severe thunderstorm will roll through, but it could be like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and then it's back to normal. That's but we're crazy. talking like 60, 70 mile an hour gust and hail, and yeah. I mean, you just, uh, yeah, it's gnarly. But And that's the case. As soon as you turned around, like we, we went and ate, we got back in the car and head over back to the airport, and it was like calm again. It was, it's kind of weird. It's that mountain weather. Yeah, no, I, I, so for me, you know, I, I was just, I didn't like that second attempt of the landing. Cause it's like, you're thinking in your mind, okay, are we supposed to land today? I start looking at the big picture. I'm like, does somebody not want us to land? Cause we're coming in a second time an hour later. And so you're off your, you feel thrown off your normal landing. And so anyways, we, and we came in, it was very turbulent. People were, uh, <laughs> pretty unhappy about the people were scared i mean everybody was like uh, you know they're nervous and finally we land and uh, and it you know what it was smooth i have to say i think it was 65 mile an hour side winds when we were first trying to come in that's why they, they went they took back off but i have to admit i mean coming back in i was like oh this just seems like fine weather to me i don't know <laughs> i don't know what was wrong <laughs> yeah i'm glad i was on the ground because um i've never been i've never been detoured I've had to circle in Salt Lake. Yeah, I, the fir- very first time I flew into Helena you're- in the winter, you're, like ten years ago plus, uh, it, there was a blizzard going on. You remember our trip flying in all with, the way from with Cameron? It, yeah, <laughs> I, yep. I was yeah, I was going to bring that one up too. But the one in Salt Lake, they were we were circling, and the captain comes over and oh uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and circle. The snowplow was clearing the runway. And then about 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, oh, uh, yeah, they we're going to have to go ahead and they're going to have to snow plow it again. It's coming down <laughs> so bad. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, this is, <laughs> I don't know about this. And, yeah. And then our time, I you can't, we can't go on without telling that story. No, totally. That's the first thing I thought of when uh, that happened to you and when yeah. you were on the ground, I'm like, dude, you have like the worst luck. <laughs> <I know. laughs> planes. But so it, Mike and I are in. Yeah. In uh, uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor, and I'll give the short version. Yeah. And, and so we were flying United, which I never I, since then. I've I I promised myself I'd never get on United after that experience. But they one they made us run back and forth through the uh, gate to gate, and oh, anybody Phoenix. that's flown yeah. Sky Harbor Phoenix knows that it's just it's like miles long. So they to the point where they make us miss the flight after changing the gate on us three times and. We were waiting at the original gate for like what two hours. We were yeah, <laughs> early. I mean, it's just yeah. So yeah, and and now it's probably like God was trying to like put a roadblock in. Like you guys don't want to get on this plane. I'm, I promise you, you probably don't want to get on this plane. And we were like, no, we're getting on this damn plane. <laughs> I know, right? Um, yeah, and we got on and took off, and within uh, as soon as they. Because I'm the Mike's the same way. We're always paying attention to every sound and everything that's going on. And when the the landing gear is supposed to come up, and there you hear the hydraulics making some funky noises. And uh, I think we turned to each other right about the same time and said, "No, that doesn't. You hear it, that? It, it just didn't sound right. It's like it sounds like it's like like it's stuck. I'm like that sounds like the landing gear. It sounds like he's trying to get something to unstuck, unstick. And we were right over it. Yeah." Dude, totally. And then, so we're like, everybody else is talking in the plane, laughing, doing the, and we're, we're just like dead silent. And then about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes later, you hear again. Yeah. They're trying to like literally fix the problem. Flight attendants are buckled into their seats. Like they're, they're not rolling the, the, the carts around, giving people drinks. So you and I like knew right away. Yeah. Um, and my son was on the plane yeah, too. So, so I'm looking across it. Yeah, He's directly Cameron across was... from me in the aisle. And I'm like, 
I don't want to say anything because he's good too. And like, so we're just keeping it to ourselves because I didn't want to scare him. It's like, Cameron, it's really bad right now. I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, <laughs> okay, just be cool. And like, but it was hard to be cool because you and I are, like you said, we're, we all, we both have this other thing that's sensitive to electronics. Like, you know how we said we malfunction our phones and everything? Like when you and I get super yeah. like, anxi- like anxiety or literally like intense, we tend to affect the electrical Excited, field around us. Ang- yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. So funny. So that was uh and that was a long flight. It was we still we were we were flying to Burbank, which we made it. Yeah, I remember he was dumping fuel it's over like the two desert. hour flight normally. Yeah. So we had to dump the fuel exactly and, and we didn't know they were dumping the fuel, but all of a sudden Mike and I are you know, we're 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 sitting there and it was pretty intense. We're trying to pay attention to everything and all of a sudden remember the plane pulled up like all gnarly. It just like we were like, whoa, and that's when everybody knew. Then they realized, they, yeah. They probably... Wasn't yeah, that during the landing that they were they, trying to land, and then they decided to go back up one more time and come around, circle around? I think that's what no. it was. No? It was over no, the desert still? No, okay. we landed... Yeah, we landed once, but the desert was like very abrupt. Like They got low enough to dump the fuel. Ah, oh, gotcha. Catherine was the one that... that uh, told us about that they're like gotcha yeah they probably dumped the fuel over the the desert before they came in for their landing to, to, so for anyways reasons. we're here we made it <laughs> but it was it was intense and i i'm the same way as mike every time i get on a damn plane i i just my 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 logical side goes this thing is not supposed to fly through the air yeah you know, it's, 500 miles an hour, like thousands of pounds with hundreds of people. Yeah. <laughs> like everything is just. <laughs> yeah, aluminum flying 500 them. miles an hour through the sky <laughs> <laughs> in the shape of a missile. <laughs> totally. totally. So, well, you made it. Um, yeah. And then we, yeah, we picked, we picked you up in Bozeman and headed back over to uh, uh, Helena. Well, the good news is we were all in t-shirts and shorts, and it's a full-on thunderstorm. It's pouring, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't bring a jacket to this game, because it was just lightning. It was awesome, though, because I haven't seen storm like thunder and rain like that for years. I haven't seen that, so I was digging it. Yeah, and it was was um, well-received here, too. I mean, it shocked us. The temperature dropped everybody, even the locals. We didn't know what hit us, and um, but, you know, we had I think even on previous episodes, I had mentioned how bad the smoke was. Like, it, mm. there's just so many fires and it's dry. And so it was nice. It was nice to, to get some good weather. Um, yeah. And then I, we got into it, man. Yeah. I think, uh, and the other thing that always stood out to me is the minute I landed in Bozeman and walked through the airport, it was like I could take a relaxing breath because it, there's something about the airports in Helen Bozeman that they're, they're, to me, they remind me of large homes. And I know people laugh because it seems like, oh, it's such a small airport. I'm like, well, do you want a really big airport? Because I don't. <laughs> it's like, I would rather land at somebody's yeah. house and walk into their house and be like, what's up? And that's how I feel when I land in Montana. It's like, I'm home and this is my house. And this is like my family and everybody's cool. So I land in LAX or Las Vegas and it's just... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but it's just chaos. So I don't enjoy well, that. Well, it's ca- yeah, it's controlled chaos. Yeah, it's controlled chaos. Flow. I've literally landed in Helena both mul- like multiple times. Yeah. If you land in Helena Airport after say like midnight, there's no one in the airport. Like I remember one time I landed in the staff that is like basically the flight attendants and people that are on the plane are the ones that open the gate and get the baggage going. So my my uh my bag didn't make it. And mm-hmm. when I'm like down at baggage claim and all the bags the thing shuts off and literally like the lights go out, I'm like, dude, my bag's not here. <laughs> like what the heck? <laughs> and there was there was nowhere to go. Like I went to the Delta counter, no one's at the Delta counter. And and I'm literally like, Hello? Like yelling in the airport, like, Hello? Is anybody <laughs> totally, here? Yeah, that's totally my daddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And I had to call Delta. I had to call the eight hundred number and be like yeah, I just landed in Helena, and um, there's no one here at the Delta counter or the gate. And they were—they're all confused. They're like, "There's uh, what time did you come in, sir?" I'm like, "Like ten minutes ago." Are you sure you're in an airport? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I landed. And like you said, it, yeah, like it a, feels like a house too. It's like a big lodge. No, it is. It's all woodsy. It's got wood everywhere, and I'm just like, "This is," you know. I just look at it as like when I once I've landed in the airport there, I'm like, "I'm home, man." And even though I don't live there, it feels like home. And I, I, I uh, and that, and that was a theme throughout the trip. I'll just say this now. It's like. 
Montanans go out of their way beyond uh, anywhere that I've been in the country in terms of how they they just go out of their way for you. Whether you're asking a question, you need a hand with yeah. something, you need help. It's like, and that was a the theme throughout everywhere I went from Mike, Melanie, Shay, you know, Kayla, Shelly, everybody was like, how, how can we help you make this easier for you? You know what I mean? And it was like, gosh, I mean, I was so humbled yep. by all of the, just the willingness to like help somebody, some stranger out. I mean, I guess they, they feel like they know me from the podcast, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's incredible. And that's, you know, we tease a lot, you know, Montana, California and Montanans give Californians a lot of crap. But, um, when we, push that aside it's all 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 joking aside you're right like if you're here um the the your neighbor's gonna give you his you know shirt off his back or um if you know someone's stuck in in the snow uh you know went off the road it's not the third person that pulls over uh to help out it's like the first person that drives by it's just the way you know, we, we got into it and we're going to talk about that today with some of the, one of the projects we're working on, mm-hmm. um, one of the, um, the mountain wellness story, but big project it's, yeah, but we're so big on tribe and building tribe and community at the recovery den. And even here on the podcast with our listenership and, you know, shout out to you guys. Like we're, we're so stoked to to have you guys, you know, it's not like we just think of, like, you guys are literally part of the tribe and, uh, we appreciate feedback and we, uh, like yesterday, um, we, we had a listener drop in and, and, uh, came and bought some product from a previous episode that we, uh, talked about, uh, hydration and, and minerals. And so it's just like, that's it right there. He, uh, and I'm totally blanking on his name. That was an incredible story that you told me yesterday. He, yeah, and it's just a testament of community and tribe that, you know, he found us through the podcast and and lives in Helena. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to drop into the recovery den and go pick up some product, which is a perfect segue. Uh, hmm. This was your first time seeing and experiencing the Mountain Wellness Recovery Den. So I think that's a perfect place to start. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um and it was overwhelming for me right away because I remember, I mean, we've been podcasting for a year and I hadn't seen the den, how it was built, everything you'd done to it. I would only see like clips from it from, from you know, over Zoom and stuff. And I think for me, when I walked in and realized, I mean, you know, it's funny because it, uh, I'm very mental and I like to think that no, material things don't matter and four walls don't matter. But when I walked in there, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm surrounded by... Everything that we've been talking about for the last couple of years, now I'm standing in a space that you've created and built there that that represents everything we've been talking about. And I think that, I remember getting in the sauna one night uh, and I was just sitting in there and you had the music playing and everything and it just hit me like a, like a rock. And I remember getting teary-eyed because I couldn't yeah. believe, like, I'm like, I'm sitting in this place that we've been basically dreaming about and now we're in this spot and... You basically have yeah. everything I would want to use every day. You have all the daily things that I would love to use, you know, at my daily routine. So I was like, "Well, it's like a it's like a manis- manifestation of the ep- the the all the episodes on the podcast. It's like if there was a physical place that was created off of the conversations, topics, and stories that were on the podcast. You know, you're standing in it, and so yeah, we arrived. Mike flew in Tuesday, and. We started off uh, with um, a video shoot, mm-hmm. and our video shoots are very reality based. Like this isn't production. Like this is literally like just flip on the camera and and let's capture the the tribe. Let's capture, you know, the the den and what just the day to day. And we started off with a seven a.m. yoga class with Melanie, um, and it was uh it was cool to walk to bring you in. Um, and just, uh, to have it alive and have people there. Um, and I love that uh, yoga class because it was different than the, I guess, I don't know if it's a traditional yoga class or whatever you want to call it, but I know here in my towns, 
whenever I've gone to a yoga class, it's like a library. It's really quiet and everybody's like, shh. And it's like the instructor's telling us what to do. And you kind of feel a little bit intimidated by all of the silence and like, you know, don't make a mistake kind of, it's that feeling. And it's like, I don't, I don't dig that so much. And then when we were at your place, I noticed you guys, she was very interactive. She was working with you and she was talking to you guys. You guys were talking back and I'm like, well, this is so much more relaxed, but you're still getting a gnarly workout. Yeah. Yeah, We, Melly and I have really worked um, together uh, on that class experience and it helps that I don't have any sort of uh, experience in yoga. You know, I've only been doing it like three months now and I, I love it. Um, but the tr- in the traditional sense of yoga, yeah, like Melanie told me, like it's, as an instructor, you're encouraged to not walk around. You're encouraged to just basically like be a, uh, you know, lead by example in poses. And it's just like, but as you know, and I know that, um, and I've experienced with yoga, that position in biomechanics is just as important mm. as say when you're Olympic lifting or you're swinging a kettlebell or you're riding a bike or mm-hmm. you're on the trail, like biomechanics is it, it's, it's um, got to have good biomechanics no matter what you're doing. Uh, and something we've moved towards, especially with our mountain athlete yoga classes is um, I've really encouraged Melanie to get up and work the room and walk in, in to each individual athlete because even with you know with my personal experience being an athlete being very mindful of biomechanics she'll still come by me and like give me the smallest cue and tap on my hip or my shoulder and be like you know stack your joints or align your hips or open this up and no i totally we've really mm -hmm, and we've we've tried to gear our yoga classes as an you know complementary to our athletic pursuits in the mountains and um, and really like biomechanic focus, but good instruction, good coaching. Cause that is, yeah. you know, that's where people, you, you want to learn how to do it right, especially with movement. Right. And so, she felt yeah, it's, very natural and part of the team. Like she, she didn't feel separate. And I, and I think that's part of what you were just saying is like, I feel like yoga instructors, they kind of separate themselves from the group as there's some, some, <laughs> I don't know, special instructor or whatever it is. And she immersed herself yep. as one of the team members in the group. And I'm just here to help facilitate. And it just was so well, it was just way different than anything I've experienced here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is it's rooted in Eastern uh, traditions and gotcha. there's some spirituality mixed in. And, sure. and when you're talking about some of those uh, different belief systems with like enlightenment and stuff, so, you know, being a yogi or, you know, the, the, the head or, uh, master I of the forget universe. what they call him, the master. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's like they've reached a level of enlightenment. So they're like, but it's different. We're talking about, yeah. you know, sports performance gotcha. and recovery. And, and that's where Melanie and I hit it off right away is like, she's, I asked her, I said, you don't seem like you're the, tip, the typical yogi or yoga instructor. And how'd you get into it? And she's like, well, I was a trail runner and, um, you know, nice. I, I reached a point where my knees started bothering me, and that's how I found yoga. I was like, perfect. Right. Like, no, no, totally. This right. Is, Dang. You know? That's awesome. Um, yeah, and that was a special day because I got to meet Mike for the first time, too. It's like I had conversed with Mike. We had him on the pockets. If you have not listened to Mike Elliott's podcast, go back. He's a former Marine. He's very, yep. he's so articulate. Like, uh, he's, yeah. he's very good at explaining, um, details about motion about you know just going deep and as far as it's just incredible i was like i was interviewing him and i'm like usually if i interview someone like a lot of times they could cry make them cry or if i'm writing music i can make people cry and he's talking to me and he's <laughs> making me cry i'm like what are you doing dude i'm supposed to be interviewing you but he got me but it was just really intense but uh because we we just we could connect on those all the levels you know what i mean it's just like a solid brother and uh it was it was unbelievable to just meet him for the first time and, and shake his hand and realize I was there and like, we're going to go. He's like, we're going to go on a trail run. He's all excited. We're going to go running. We're going to go running. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go running. I don't know when or how, but we're going to go running. No, that's the perfect time. So we got to tell that story. Uh, so the Elliott brothers, they're kind of local legends here in the Helena area and um, are one of the, the, let's see, um, where all the, the alphas hang out and train is a trail called Powerline, which is straight to the top of Mount Helena. 
and uh, <laughs> the Elliot brothers uh, picked up Mike and put him to the test. <laughs> so let's let's hear about that that experience training with some local athletes here. Yeah, you know i I train here in Southern California, and we have hills, and they are some of them can be steep, but most of them are pretty gentle, or they'll have switchbacks. So. That's my day to day is just doing, you know, pretty easy going running. So when I just figured, okay, it's probably going to be like that. I didn't have any perception of what it was going to be. And uh, as we were driving toward it, I'm like, oh, is that it? Yeah. I'm like, huh, okay. It looks, it looks pretty, looks, it just had that vision. Even though it wasn't super high, it just was like, it just stood straight up, like right out in front of you. So and I think he even said, he goes, well, it's pretty steep, but you know, it's, it's not. It's not that bad. I mean, I kind of got the impression. I wasn't ready for whatever they were going to throw at me. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever I was going to do, I was going to do it only breathing through my nose because I don't do it any other way. It's nostril breathing only. And so... uh, Okay, that's a perfect place to stop. Hold hold that thought for a second. So, So... Now, Mike leaves and I connect with Mike Elliott and he's like, yeah, so... Uh, my brother, my brother was like, it really put Mike to the test. Um, our Mike, Mike, uh, Maina. And I started laughing. I was like, oh yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he was super impressed. <laughs> so basically after we had, cause we brought, um, Brian Elliott also in for an interview with the, the project we're working on in. And some things came out there that was after your run. And he shared some of his, um, you know, breathing, uh, uh, the way he approaches breathing and performance breathing and all that stuff. And there were some things in a line. So it was like, everything was starting to make sense of, okay, he knows we're working on this breathwork training course. He knows I'm all, you know, mountain wellness, human performance. He's like, yeah, I'm going to take Mike's partner or uh, Corey's partner out. And like, let's, let's see how, let's see how he does. Let's see their application wow. of Let, breath. Let's which test the motor. It. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I can tell you. So they took off. Yeah, no, they took off. They, they just took off, right? Yeah, but no, they were very cool about like all you know, they were they wanted to wait for me. They made sure I was good. At no time did I ever feel yeah, like sure. these guys ditched me because <laughs> that would not have been cool. And they just they're not that's not who those guys are. I mean, they're totally like they're like, Well go at your own pace, you know, and, and uh and I didn't. I kind of didn't want them to either. I kind of wanted them to move at their pace and see if I could keep up. You know what I'm saying? Even though I'm not a racer, I don't, yeah, I don't race. Test. I don't race, so it's for but me. But you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brian's a and racer. You don't know either that no one runs with the Elliott brothers. They didn't tell me that until after. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, but like, yeah. So we start up this grade, and it's steep. It's probably double the incline that I'm normally do. And I'm like, Oh boy, like this, I knew right away. Oh my gosh, I got to get my breathing. Like this is going to be a challenge. I knew like right away. And so mouth's closed. And I can tell you without, with absolute certainty, if I, back in the day, if I had been trying to get up that hill, hyperventilating, I'd have been done. Like I, I would have got to the top and said, guys, yeah, I just, I can't go anymore. Cause I'm done. But I was able to manage as I'm running, not, we weren't running, we were walking fast. I should say, I should say that we were walking yeah, fast. It's steep. It's yeah, like, yeah, no, it's I wish steep. I knew the, ele- it's a couple thousand feet it's, elevation climb just straight up. I like, think it's a thousand. They to told the me top. it's a thousand feet. One, it's like 1,000 feet. It's a thousand <laughs> elevation climb. <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's like a. It's straight up. Like, yeah, no, no, it's straight up. There's no. Yeah, there's yeah. no switchbacks, nothing. It's just, you just, it's straight up and you don't really run that. So, I mean, you could run it, but you're only going to get a quarter of the way for most, most 90% of the population, I would say. And Brian holds the record, the Strava record. I don't know what it's at, like what his, his the fastest time. Yeah, he has the fastest time it, for that, which is insane, of course. Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. I'm glad I learned this after two. <laughs> but no, he, you know, he was cool. He, he was waiting. I mean, I look, they were waiting for me. So those guys, you know, they have mad cardio. I know they do. If they're trained on that, they told me they train on that like three, four times a week, maybe even five times a week sometimes. Yep. And I thought, okay, if you're training this that often... It doesn't matter how you're breathing to a st- extent. I mean, well, we can break that down, but you're going to build a uh, cardio. You're going to build uh, oh, yeah. a system that allows you to, to uh, function, even if you're breathing through your mouth. Even though it's not the preferred way, you're going to build, uh, you're going to build, what do you want to call it? Our cardio, uh, 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely aerobic, anaerobic, all efficiency like, uh, across the board for sure. Mm-hmm. Recovery, you know, that's where you're gonna. It's gonna. I feel would argue it. you might. Yeah, exactly. It might take a little bit longer to recover, but and that's uh, what happened. Those at the are top. the things that were. I mean, I was breaking out in a sweat, which I don't normally do when I run. I mean, I do, but not to that intensity. I could feel my system was like, whoa. So we're going to the yeah. top, and I could tell Mike was waiting for me. Brian was like already up there. He's, he got up there pretty quick. Um, and then Mike was was hanging with me because, again, he didn't he just didn't want to bail. I mean, he's like, see ya. So he's with me. And then, uh, <laughs> But I could tell him, like, Mike, just we got towards the top. I'm like, just run, run, run up the top. And so he takes off. And then I saw him take off. So I'm like, you know what? I got to run, too. So there's no way if I had been breathing through my mouth that I could have took off running at the very end. That just wouldn't have worked for me. And then I got to the top. And, yeah, I was pretty winded. But uh, I could function well enough to to still communicate and come down from the uh from the intense aerobic yeah you know the aerobic uh anaerobic state that i was in i mean i, I was just that yeah just that that output yeah. yeah you recovered really fast and then they're like we're gonna go like five i don't know five more miles or seven well, i don't know how many more miles they wanted they wanted to go <laughs> and they're pointing at these ridges and stuff and i'm like you know right now the way i feel i don't know if i want to do that i but then i said I forget the reasons why, but I, I was like, well, he, then he said, well, we could do this one. And it was like three, maybe three miles. I, I can't, I can't remember the distance exactly. And I said, well, let's do it. I mean, the worst case, if I don't feel good, I can just walk it wherever. I mean, I, it doesn't matter to me. Like I'm good. It doesn't, you know what I mean? How I don't think, I don't care how long it takes me to do things. Yeah. So I, uh, so then we took off running and it was downhill and mostly flat, which I was really happy about. That was the one thing he added to, he goes, yeah, it's mostly flat and downhill. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So we took off and we ran that section and I started feeling a lot better and I got in control of my cadence because that was kind of the cadence I had in, in, when I'm in Southern California. It's just kind of a long, casual run. It, there's no, I have a, a hill that I, I guess you can call it a hill that you die on. I mean, there's one of those for me when I'm running, but they had theirs and it was just a bigger hill to die on. So it was basically, that's all. Well, there's a, just maybe think of something that, uh, I can't remember where I read it or maybe even Kenny told me like, it's like, stop looking for a harder workout and make the workout that you're in just harder. Like basically implying that it's just intensity. Like you can always turn up intensity. Sure. doesn't matter if you're, you know, doing air squats uh, in, in the hotel room or you're out on the trail pushing like you are, you know, there's all, you can always dig a little deeper and push, a little harder so it's not necessarily like yeah it's nice to have mount helena and power line and like this badass place to train um but i mean you can get after it anywhere you go to the park and do some some sprints mm-hmm. uh you're gonna gain and, and the reason i make this point is you know if you're thinking well i can't do that i don't i you know i live in the midwest or i live in the east coast and we don't have mountains and we don't have you know trails to run on like that uh there's plenty of ways to to develop mm-hmm. your uh, cardiovascular and aerobic capacity like Mike's talking about. Well, it's so. interesting you bring that up because now basically after that run, um, I want to say three, four miles with a thousand foot ball buster. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is, I know for a fact at the end of the day, I wasn't sore anywhere. I, I mean, we hung out. I went to bed at a regular time. I didn't have any soreness. And so, like you're saying, the recovery for me, because I maintained nostril mm-hmm. breath, uh, made it a lot easier for me to just keep going. It wasn't like, I'm done today, dude. I didn't go to home, flatten out on the couch, and been totally done. That would have been a normal experience for me if I was a heavy mouth breather. I would have been completely done. Let's Yeah, let's dig into that a little bit, because I... um. We did some testing and uh, mm-hmm. we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the other reason Mike came out is we're, you know, we mentioned in previous episodes we're working on a training program around applying breath work, uh, a, a certain breath work techniques to enhance performance and longevity for mountain athletes. So it, it, Mike and I have been experimenting and digging into the research and uh, following the the leaders in the space Mm -hmm. and uh, me personally i've been into it almost a decade now and one of the early early sort of uh, i guess early things i discovered and read about 
with the advantages of nasal breathing. And this is, we know a lot more now, especially with what you and I have tested, Mike. But mm -hmm. the one big factor and advantage was recovery. And if we go back to say like 2000, I want to say like 2016, 17 is when I really started experimenting. And it, I remember the, the first time I really put nasal breathing to the test um, in a workout and really experienced the benefits was Murph. And uh, some of you might know Nerf. It's very well known in the CrossFit world, but basically it's a one mile run, a hundred push-ups. No, I'm sorry. A hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, followed by a mile run. <laughs> and that's a workout that, you know, or anybody that's done it, it makes you sore. Like it's yeah. just, it takes it, you down. it's a lot of volume and it's a lot of intensity and it, t it takes about an hour to, to complete it. Um, Some people can end up in the hospital but, if they don't do it right as well. Yeah, rhabdomyolysis is it's is very common. Happens in that workout a lot, right? Even at the highest level with games athletes, CrossFit games athletes. But uh, I ran across some some stuff from Brian McKenzie years ago, and he was working with a researcher. And I don't know the name of the, the machine, but basically they were looking at basically like exhaust or respiration, like the off gas and of when we exhale mm -hmm. and they were able to look and look at like basically the fuel source or cellular metabolism, like what fuel substrate the cell was uh, um, utilizing um, with when you were nose breathing versus breathing through your mouth. And in real, like the, the big takeaway, I think it was a YouTube video and it was Brian McKenzie working with a researcher, but like the big takeaway from that was in real time, just by uh, defaulting to mouth breathing, the the fuel substrate was more preferential to glycogen. And by maintaining nasal breathing, the fuel substrate was more preferential to fatty acids. Mm. And the reason that's important for from a really basic level to under an understanding of why why would that affect recovery? It's because um, fat or fatty acids is a lot cleaner burning fuel source than glycogen is. So, it, like down to the carbon chains, like there's less carbon chains, and and without getting into the nerdy like biochemistry, basically, fat fatty acids are a cleaner burn, uh, burning fuel source than glycogen. And when glycogen burns, there's a byproduct from that, and it produces lactate and lactate is what makes you sore and gives you that fatigue like that. Basically when you're, you're sprinting and you're going into that red line anaerobic threshold and you start to feel that burn, you're like, Oh, I can maybe rep out or run at this intensity, a few more yards or a few more reps, but you have to put it down. Um, that's a like, that's a, that's a glycolic state or a, a state of where you're burning glycogen. Now, but it's it's crazy because if you if you think of a workout like you know Murph with that type of volume and if you're if you can if you can maintain nasal breathing through that whole workout and you are burning fatty acids oh, wow. over glycogen, right? You're gonna basically create less metabolic waste, less lactate, and less like basically byproduct that's gonna be have to have to be flushed out. So your perceived rate of exertion, your your metabolic waste is going to be less. So you basically are going to recover faster. And Dang. that's something I discovered way back when, when people were laughing, you know, I'm like taping my mouth shut. And um, that was at Kenny's gym. Kenny and I actually, I think we both taped our, our mouth shut. We didn't, it's funny because we weren't really doing it together. We were both kind of experimenting in the same, with the same stuff at that time. Mm. But that was huge. Like, if we think about it, if we were to look at endurance, you know, sports in the mountains, trail running, ultras, uh, you're not working at an anaerobic threshold. You're not at like a, you know, Rose Grant. She, we asked her like, what with the Butte 100, Leadville, like, what's the what's the ticket? What's the secret? And it was nothing profound, right? It was like fueling and pacing, fueling and pacing. So. And if we, you know, it, it, feeling and pacing, those go hand in hand with what I'm talking about. Yeah, because pacing would be oxygen. burn fatty acids. Yeah. Yep. 
you're not going to create as much metabolic waste. And in turn, you're going to have a higher output and you're going to be able to sustain a higher watt output for a longer period of time and not create the byproducts which make you sore so so i look at it like it's a, huge a, a gas tank like a like or no, sorry a gas when you pull into the gas station there's 91 octane or there's 87 octane and the 91 is the fat and the 87 is the is the uh, is the yeah. glucose yeah so that kind of that's a kind of a cool way yeah. to, to think of it it's like you're just gonna it'll get run a, yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> yep it'll run and then as we were also experimenting with um is respiration so fueling is goes hand in hand with breathing um and we we know that so one of the things that we were testing out is and i i've discovered or i should say mike and i've discovered more recently through the testing that we're doing developing the the methodology for this program is like i can maintain an anaerobic state just by just through nasal breathing and that's not something i've I have been able to, in the past, I've not been able to do. And I was always under the assumption or thought that um, you can maintain nasal breathing up to a certain point, like up to your anaerobic threshold. And uh, that's just not, that's not true. And we tested that for three, four days and applied it and, different scenarios and we proved it i mean at least n equals one for me and then n equals one for you <laughs> yeah, as I saw, well <laughs> i saw it with my i saw it with my own eyes like i was watching you do those those workouts and i was like that i thought yeah. i would have thought that was an impossibility i would have said so too i would have said well at some point you're going to default to mouth breathing and you never did but the crazy thing nope. about it was is once you finished you ripped the tape off your mouth carefully i might add and then you were able <laughs> and you were able to converse I with me off like my mustache. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a duct tape we're, we're, we're good he's just like hey guys i've got oh, no but he he took off the tape and he was able to converse with me without hyperventilating without being under stress and i was like oh my gosh like there it is i mean that's me running up to the top of the hill and not hyperventilating more because i'm nostril breathing so we don't lose we don't go into that anaerobic yep. just hyperventilating and blowing off too much co2 i mean there's we have so much coming for you guys in this pro in this program that that we've created together and and i discovered it was so cool because things in areas that i pushed in here in california i brought to calif brought to montana and then, Mont- and then Corey's showing the, the areas he's pushing the strength and conditioning, and we've combined those, and just yeah. it's just going to be incredible. I, I, I I'm so excited about what yeah. We're you've creating. done such a a good job quantifying testing. Like you climbed the highest mountain in the <laughs> continuous United States to put you know this methodology to test, and so you've really worked on the CO2 tolerance stuff, and and we've learned that it's not definitely not just about co2 tolerance right it's, it's much more than that um and we really really nailed down on that one working together uh this last week at the recovery den and um and then you know the the, the last one that we that i've been working on and it's, it's the it's just the strengthening uh the biomechanics and strengthening those those muscles that we use to breathe so. yeah no, yeah, you're like a bison now. You're like a bison or a grizzly. Because I remember when I was laying next to him, like we were working on this one module, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, right now you're like, and I know you were, you even said you're exaggerating a little bit to to just so to make the example, but like I got back to California, the first thing I did is grabbed a kettlebell and <laughs> started trying to do that, yeah. and I could tell, okay, this is going to take time to build these muscles because my, I could tell those muscles in me, even though I've been nostril breathing all this time. uh, the things that we were doing there were just immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to implement this into my training, a period. I was like, this is immediately going to change things for me. So that was rad. It was just yeah, so rad. I was going to say it was super rad to come together and um, just dig in and share what we've both been working on and uh, put it together. At the so den. I, I am like... Yeah. Not in the Eastern Sierras, not which I love all these places, but we were in the den working together, and it was I felt like home to me. I was walking around like you know, like I'm just working here at the den. Like I felt like I was just working. It was rad. It was. Amazing. I know, and I locked I locked it down. I didn't see clients. I saw a few throughout the week, but um, it was like great weather for it too. We had all these intermittent 
thunderstorms and the I love the the roof on the place is metal so tin roof, yeah. even a light rain sounds more intense than <laughs> but it was uh man we got some good work done and we bounced a lot off each other and I know especially the the force rate you know I was really digging into that before you came out and I could tell you were just scratching your head like I don't really you know I'm not fully understanding <laughs> the force rate yeah i didn't get it i didn't make the and, connection i mean we were talking about it but i didn't make the connection until you actually went and did it and then got on the rower and then we're doing pull-ups and i was like oh okay now i understand what you're yep. telling me and how it connects to everything else and i'm like yeah this is definitely a powerful part of the methodology so that was that was right sure so stay tuned it's coming we're uh I don't want to put any exact numbers, but we're, we're a few months out. It's 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 getting close. It's yeah. been you know six to eight months of uh, putting it together, researching and everything, and testing. This so is game changing, life changing for people. I mean, this is it, you know it will. we know what happened to us, and so putting this together, you and I putting this together for someone else. I mean, I just so excited about the idea of that uh, to give that oh, to dude, someone I'm so else. Man. Stoked specific to the mountain athlete like doesn't doesn't get any better than that and you could share it with grandma <laughs> like even grandma. if you're not a mountain athlete <laughs> grandma's like shredding down i'm back on the board i'm shredding no you know what on power line <laughs> no way on power line we're getting to the top of oh no we're at the top of power line at the, the hard climb with the la brothers and this guy who's got the white Chris Kringle beard from, and he's from like New Zealand, comes powering, running up the top too, man. And he's, he's just, he's kind of an old timer. And I'm thinking, wow, like we all thought to ourselves, man, I want to be there when we get to his age. Like he just powered up that last stretch and he was running it. And I thought, wow, that's it, man. That's it. And I want that for, I want that for everybody. Cause I feel like, well, you and I both know that the, that probably 70, 80% of the population doesn't have good breathing habits. I mean, we know we know that. That research is out there. And so we're going to oh, yeah. we're going to speak to that. Anybody, you guys, you and there's a all you got to do is start paying attention to people on the trail. That we did that in our testing cuz even to be honest, like I wasn't paying attention to like people on the trail. Like I knew the benefits of uh nasal breathing and paying attention and being mindful of it, but since we've been putting this training program together and like out right like being out on the trail, like literally, what would you say, Mike? Ninety percent people that come by if their their mouth dropped, especially in elevation. I have not yet. In a couple of years that I've been running, uh, in, in here in SoCal, I just everybody runs, and I'm not talking about sprinting. I'm just talking about jogging. They're running with their mouths hanging open, yep. and that's absolutely incorrect breathing. So you know those are the kinds of things we're going to speak to and how to improve there so they'll just have better results they'll have better recovery they'll feel you know what i mean that man enjoy running because i didn't enjoy running when i ran like that because as soon as i got on a hill i got to the top and i'm like i feel horrible right now i'd get to the car i'd feel horrible a couple times i almost passed out uh driving because i think combination of fueling and uh breathing incorrectly caused me almost to black out in my jeep going down the hill so yeah we're 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 gonna make it running enjoyable again we're gonna make all these things just more fun that's what i believe so legit oh man um one thing that through working this last week and uh kenny's the one that brought it to i guess our attention or spoke on it resonated with me especially with how i approach training and just all the different methodologies that we apply here at mountain wellness at the den um but he said uh he he made a comment about being a wellness athlete and i love that because mm. you know the more i've started to to unpack what that means um you know, we you had a chance to talk to Mike Elliott about you know his Butte 100, yeah. You know, what what happened there and not finishing, and there was some disappointment. And in the listeners, you know, you've heard us talk about uh, Mike Elliott as one of our athletes, and you know, it, it we had some some good conversation and, and really started to you know decompress and unpack what happened on that race. And you know, one thing I mentioned to him was like, dude, like you're not you're not an athlete with mountain wellness 
because of just like the high performance side of it. Like I didn't, you know, start this brand and this business to, you know, specifically produce Olympic athletes. This mountain wellness is about really like being a wellness athlete. So it's being able to still have these athletic pursuits and enjoy ourselves and, and dig hard or dig deep sometimes and, and, you know, have those, uh, those moments that really uh, make us feel human. But yeah, I know as a competitive, uh, former competitive athlete, like that's not sustainable. That's why, you know, professional athletes have a, you know, relatively short career, especially, um, you know, the, the more aggressive sports like action sports. But I just love that, you know, like here at mountain wellness producing wellness athletes and, and you've told because me it's a lifestyle it is, right? too. You said it's it's really a, it's adapting it adopting a lifestyle of of fueling and, and taking care of yourself and doing and, and enjoying all your sports. And I liked for me because it's interesting you said a wellness athlete because I brought it up even in the podcast. I feel like I'm a longevity athlete. Like I'm I train because I don't train for racing. I train just to keep healthy as long as healthy as I possibly can. Um, and right. so, I mean, I think wellness and longevity, probably you could intermix them, but, but definitely, uh, well, yeah, wellness right. is like the umbrella of longevity performance, Sure, you know, yoga, body work, nutrition, mindfulness, like, so it's, uh, that's why I just, I'm like, yeah, it's, it, there could be seasons. You might be at a point in your life where you are a performance athlete, but generally speaking, like our mission at Mountain Wellness is to optimize human performance to extend longevity for the wellness athlete or that mountain athlete. So yeah. I just, uh, I love that because it, it, I've man. heard that you've heard that people, you know, they can get wrapped up with like, well, I'm not an athlete. It's like, yes, you are an athlete. Did you, do you get on a bike? Do you go run on the trails? Do you get out? Like if you're moving and expressing yourselves out in nature, or any sort of movement, then you're an athlete. I don't care what you say. <laughs> right. You don't have to have a uniform and be competing to be an athlete. If you look up the definition of athlete yeah. or athleticism, you'll, you'd be surprised. Yeah, so, I think that's interesting. Anyways. People feel that they're that unless they're sponsored and winning races and being sponsored by a big yep. company, that, that that's what an athlete is. And it's like, I realize, like Kenny said, it's, are you coachable? It just comes down to, the, you know, are you, are you willing to take coaching? Um, yeah. And go out and do the, and go out and yeah, do the and, work, and, you know? Right. And, and we're using these things to ultimately become better people. It's whether it's strength training or breathing or athletic. Oh, that's our a really good pursuits, point. Our adventures, you know, it's it's uh, overall, it's not one specific thing. It's like we're we're doing these to express ourselves, and there's a lot of carryover as well. It's a really good point because uh, my, in life, yeah, yeah, because I I know when I was in the back, one of the things that that meant a lot to me was be able to run with with Mike and Brian because their brothers on the that, that run because not because of the running the running and all that was secondary to me <laughs> that's the funny thing it's like I, I don't you know how fast they get done that's why I don't wear a watch or any electronics when I go running because I just I'm running for the pure joy of running but it was cool because they're brothers and if you know the story which you you'd actually don't so I'm just going to give you a little bit of the a little bit of it you know, they they sort things out on the trail. Like if they have a disagreement or things aren't going well, like things get sorted out when you're out in the backcountry. And Corey and I have had that same experience in Yosemite where we know, you know what, if, if we're going to get to know each other, we're going to sort something out. Or, or if we want to learn about somebody, take them into the backcountry. And they had that same thing. And it's like, so being on that run for me was cool because I knew they were brothers. I knew they had to sort things out. You know, life's not perfect. And so they had their moments when they had to, they were telling about moments where they had to sort them out. They're in the backcountry yelling at each other and everything. And he, I think Mike told me, he goes, yeah, they used to know us as the two brothers who were like, yelling at each other in the backcountry we were on the trail because they, they just had stuff to sort out but they did and they got to this great place and they're and there's and they're just you know it's so for me i'm experiencing two people who have sorted things out become stronger people and they they did it on the trail 
And I think that that's, you know, they do it. That happens in the backcountry. It's harder to have happen for whatever reason, because we've got so many distractions, you know, when we're doing our daily life, we got phone calls and kids and like our wife. And it's true. There's just a hundred totally. things coming at us. Our work is coming at us. And so it's like, you just don't have that time to really focus like you do when you're in the backcountry. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's a tribal experience, even if it's just with one other friend or if it's with, you know, multiple friends. It's and you've done that. Special time. You've built that team around you uh, from being in, being at the den for the week and seeing the people around you and meeting them and talk to them. It's like you've built this team around you that's like, they're just special people. Um, I don't know how to other how else to explain it but i can see like the nucleus like you're saying of that tribe and how it's going to grow and how it's going to it's just amazing to be at the beginning and see how it's just forming right now yeah it's super rad and shout out to our podcast listeners uh, an extension of the the tribe here at the recovery den and um it's uh our download numbers have jumped quite a bit so it's cool you guys are sharing with your friends and um, the, the show is growing and with that we can bring you guys better content and speaking of which our guest that we're trying to nail down right now he's for sure coming on uh, Kurt what's his last name oh, Wedberg yeah so got an alpinist and world class um, alpine guide coming on the show from he's got a, a company in Bishop Sierra Mountain Adventures yeah, we're looking forward to talking some alpinism. I know that's an area I'm super interested in, not for any sort of pursuits. I've been asked if I'd be interested in climbing Everest or doing anything like that. And I'm like, no, no, I've read enough Alpine or uh, books on alpinism. And it's, I think those guys push, like they're the definition of pushing the limits mm. uh, as far as like, physiological adaptations human performance right um maybe not in as far as athletic expression you know like comparing it to say you know drop it into a half pipe on a snowboard and but from the pushing the body and what it's capable of right it's pretty mind-blowing yeah so i'm just i mean i'm just really in the mindset too we know that mindset is probably the biggest factor it's got to be one of the biggest factors for uh, being being an alpinist i'm super stoked to have a conversation with kurt totally i mean it would be easier for me to say yeah i'll do everest but when it's 150 grand to go up everest i'm like yeah i'm probably not going to be doing that anytime <laughs> soon <laughs> well here let me throw this out there what if kurt's like yeah yeah i'll take you guys i'd still be like i'm good <laughs> it'd be like a quarter of a million dollars for you and i to go up everest <laughs> yeah but if someone was, um, oh, put it this way, if someone was footing it, the bill, I still would be like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I just, I don't have a desire. And that, you know, we all have seasons that could change. But even Mike Elliott asked me, I know he's got a, he's got this itch. He does bag some peaks and yeah. I'm gonna get him up Whitney. We talked about it, and him and his brother want to go up Whitney. So I'm gonna put permits in next season, and I may only go as high as base camp, and then just you know let him go up to to the top because that's. I would be thrilled. I want to actually hang at base camp because I really, I really <laughs> liked like, it. Like there was, you could see Whitney and it's just an totally. incredible spot, but like, I don't really have the push to where I got to go to the summit again, which I mean, like you never know. You might get there and be like, all right, let's go. But uh, well, yeah, it's like seal fit. I'll never forget when Kyle Maynard, when we were done, he's like, you want to do Kokoro? And I was like, no, <laughs> I just like, you're, you're crazy, dude. Like you're on a different level. <laughs> well, I don't like cold uh, train. Like, okay. So I like cold training, but I don't like to be in the cold for extended periods of time to where you can't warm up ever. Like three, four days where you're just yeah, freezing. And it's like, you know, I'm what? traumatized. I don't dig that. Yeah. Well, you're traumatized. From tra seal fit. <laughs> they just, they just made you not like water i watched that whole thing go down man you were sh everybody was hyper there everybody had hyper, a, a version of hypothermia they're all shaking and chattering teeth and everything and like it was, yeah. you do that for an extended like period of 10 time hours plus yeah yeah it was gnarly anyways good stuff man um you got any announcements anything i missed no but i do want to say uh how grateful i am that you guys have listened to this podcast and spent this last 
you know, a little over a year with us, just hanging with us. And yeah. It's, it's really been a remarkable journey and it's, it's continuing to unfold and it's going to get bigger and better for, for you guys. Not, not really for us. I mean, everything we're building right now is to benefit you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'm super stoked to honestly serve you guys because I've shared this with all of my team members that when I feel like if you start, if you work in health and wellness, it, it's a service. Like you can't expect people to just get it. Mm. Um, there's education involved. So we try to educate you guys, but do it, do it through an entertaining way. And that's why we bring on top athletes and coaches and try to pull out the best stories from them. Cause that's what ultimately connects. And, uh, it's where we feel like we're connected and part of the tribe. So yeah. shout out to you guys. And, uh, oh yeah. And I apologize, Mike and I apologize. I think we're due for, uh, an announcement on a product giveaway, one of our gear reviews. And we did not look, (laughs) we didn't look that up before we started recording today. So we're recording with Kurt, um, this next week. So we'll probably have, uh, um, we've been kind of on a weekly schedule. I know we had a, a, a gap this last time, but we'll make sure to follow up and, and, get some gear away on that next episode for sure thank you guys uh make sure to follow us on instagram both the mtn wellness page and the mountain wellness podcast page and follow us on facebook mountain wellness that's it that's all i got yeah yeah about you that's it man you guys have a good week all right later See you on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Power line. Hey. <laughs> See you on power line. <laughs> <laughs> Bison bread. <laughs>The information provided on the Mountain Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only and not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult a medical professional or healthcare provider if you're seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 